Well, good morning, Faith Family. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody doing well? I realize today we have a, a, a lighter crowd uh, because of a Thanksgiving weekend that we're in the midst of, and uh, I know a lot of people are still traveling, but I hope that you had as good a Thanksgiving as I did. How many of you had a great Thanksgiving this week? I mean, this, yeah, this week. It was a good one, wasn't it? I tell you, I, I, I began to realize this year, I figured this out, that, that there is a very tangible way that you can measure how good your Thanksgiving was. And, uh, and, and I discovered that when you get home from Thanksgiving, after being away for a few days with family and having eaten all that food, that if you'll just get on the scales, it'll tell you just how good of a Thanksgiving it was. And I'll just tell you that it was really good for me this year, okay? In fact, I realized that um, I usually on January 1, I go on a, what I call my winter diet, okay? And uh, my Thanksgiving was so good this year that I am convinced that I need to start today, okay? I don't need to wait till January. It just needs to happen. It needs to happen now. So anyway, that was, a, that was how good mine was, and I hope yours was good as well. I, I, I love Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is, is sort of a prelude to Christmas. You know, it's, it's that time of the year where we can say, where, where we sort of move into a spirit of just being thankful for who Jesus is and thankful for so many things in our life. But it's also sort of a prelude to Christmas uh, because right after Thanksgiving, uh, and, and many of you have experienced that this weekend, you begin decorating for Christmas and you begin preparing for Christmas, don't you? And uh, I know we did it around the house yesterday. It's, it's that time of the year yesterday where I climb into the attic and I do all, I spend four or five hours doing something I don't want to do, okay? And that is getting down all the stuff that my wife can't do so that she can do what she loves to do, and that's decorate the house. And so uh, we, we spent yesterday afternoon doing that. But Thanksgiving is that prelude to Christmas. And it's that time of the year where we, uh, right after we roll off of Thanksgiving, we can begin to get in the Christmas spirit, and we begin to prepare for that time of the year when we celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, let me ask you a question this morning. I know your answer already, but how many of you are thankful for Jesus in your life? Amen. Amen. I know I am, and I, and I know you are as well. As we think about Christmas, I do want to mention a few things before we dive into the message today. Uh, the first thing is that, th is that this Tuesday night at 6.30, our women's ministry is going to be hosting their annual coffee, cookies, and carols. This is a time where women come together and celebrate Jesus uh, around coffee and cookies. And like I said, I, I wouldn't attend anyway because I'm already on that winter diet, right? But uh, but, but it's, a, it's a beautiful time for women to come together and celebrate Jesus, and it's this Tuesday night, and I hope that you'll be there for that. Uh, also, uh, December the 18th is going to be a special day for us. It's a Sunday morning. We're going to be celebrating through music Jesus Christ. This is that time of the year where we do a whole lot more music and a little bit less preaching, although the message of Christ is still proclaimed through music. And this year, we're going to have our children come, and they're going to share in, in that time of worship as well in here with us on, on December the 18th. And so that's going to be a, a very special time for us. And then also mark your calendars if you're around this Christmas. On December the 24th, a Christmas Eve, at 5 o'clock, we're going to have a Christmas Eve service. And we're going to have uh, a time where we come and just worship in a very, um, uh, a very uh, reverent way, but also participate together and worship together through the partaking of the Lord's Supper. And so I just want to throw that out to you uh, so you can mark your calendars if you're around. We'd love to have you be a part of that special service. So I'm excited as we move into December. We're not there yet, but we're almost there. 
and uh, a lot to celebrate uh, this Christmas season. So let's pray, and then we're going to continue in our series called Share the Season, and uh, got a, a really, uh, I think, uh, an amazing passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at today uh, as we think about the characteristics of Christ. And so let's pray together, then we're going to dive into God's Word. So, dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we are so thankful for this time together where we can come and uh, worship together as a faith family, worship together in spirit and truth. And Lord, we recognize today that because of the holiday, there's a lot of people away. And, and Lord, we want to pray for those that are traveling home today, God, because I know that uh, this is a busy time on the, on the highways. And so, Father, just be with those that belong to our family, that are traveling home, our friends and our families, God, and just be with them, keep them safe. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity where we can come today and just gather to worship you. And Lord, what an amazing time of worship it's already been. But Father, I pray now as we move into that time where we, we celebrate you and we worship you through the reading and preaching of your word, I pray, Father, that you would help us to set aside everything that may be distracting in our life right now. That, God, we may hear from you. And God, that you would prepare our hearts and our minds to to be receptive, God, to your voice this morning. Father, we love you and we praise you, and we're very thankful for you during this season. God, we're thankful that you are uh, allowing us each and every day to, to walk with you and to be a part of your kingdom. God, thank you for the message that we're going to study today, Lord. Uh, and Lord, I pray that as we dive into your word, that you would teach us, God, just the, the, the amazing things that we need to know about who you are. We love you so much. We praise you in the name of Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. You know, if you're, if you're anything like me, and I'm not saying that you are, but if you are anything like me, your greatest virtue is definitely not patience. I know I heard a few little whimpers out there. Patience is not my greatest virtue. I think I've gotten better at it over the years. I think it's one of those virtues or one of those characteristics that I've worked on over the years. But, uh, you know, it's not something I've always been very good at. And, and I'm still got a long way to go as far as what I would consider being a real patient person. We live in a very fast-paced society. And the, the reality is a lot of us here today would probably say the same thing about uh, that many of you would say the same thing about your life, that, that patience is probably not one of our greatest virtues. This weekend, we had an opportunity to go up to Atlanta to spend Thanksgiving with our daughters and to spend time with my grandbaby. And you know that I love my grandbaby, and it was just a beautiful time. Anytime I can get away and, and see her, that's a, a wonderful time. And so we go up there, and we had Thanksgiving dinner, and that was wonderful. Uh, you know, we, we, we sat around, and we kind of got over the pain of eating that much food uh, throughout the day. But we knew what was coming. You see, what's always been around our family is, is that the ladies all go out Black Friday shopping. In other words, it's not just this midnight thing on Friday. It's like they take the next four days, you know. I think they sort of overdo it a little bit. But they go out and they just have a great time. And that's sort of Linnell's time with our girls. And, and, and so they made their announcement that come tomorrow, boys, we're, we're heading out. And oh, by the way... You're keeping Caroline. Now, I didn't mind that because I love Caroline, and she is, she is just everything to me. And, and I, I just thought, man, that's awesome because, you know, I'm going to get to spend even more time. But here's what I didn't realize is that 
that we had entered into the second day of potty training with a two-year-old. And so the girls on Friday morning, they get up and we have breakfast and they, they head out to go do their shopping and it's just me and Daniel and Caroline and no less than 78 times did Caroline come to granddaddy and say, I got a potty. I mean, it was like every other minute of the day she was coming to me to where I was very thankful when reinforcements arrived, my other son-in-law, and now there were three of us doing the work of one lady, okay? Because that's about what it takes, guys, to, you know. And, and so it was one of those moments where in the midst of it, you have to take every threat serious, right? When she comes and says, I got a potty, you don't ignore that. The game is not more important at that moment. You, you've got to break away and you've got to take her and you run. And what was really amazing about Caroline is that when she sits down, just she sits down on the potty and then she just stands up immediately. She says, I'm done. And you're like, no, you're not. You haven't done anything. Oh, I'm done. Until you get back in there in front of the television and it's, I got a potty. And it was over and over and over. And I found it so ironic because I realized somewhere about midday when I was, I was really losing patience. Uh, I mean, even with my beautiful grandbaby, I was like, come on, Caroline. And, and, and suddenly God reminded me, you got to preach on patience tomorrow, you know, this Sunday. So I'm like, oh, man. Patience is not my greatest virtue. It's probably not yours. It's probably something that, that all of us need to work on from from time to time, but, but what we're going to be looking at today is the, the truth that Jesus is patient. And if we, as followers of Christ Jesus, if we are to clothe ourselves with the righteousness of Christ, if we are to become Christ-like in who we are, if Jesus is patient, then maybe patience is something that we might need to take more seriously. And as we look into God's Word and we try to understand what patience really is and, and how Jesus himself is really truly patient and, 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 and trying to figure out how we may become more patient ourselves in this world. Because the reality is this, we do live in such a fast-paced culture these days that we often find ourselves being very impatient. I don't mean just with others, I mean sometimes even with God. And so this morning we're going to be looking at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, and, and we're looking at this characteristic, that Jesus is patient. He is patient with us, He is patient. And so we're going to be looking at this because I think it'll help us understand how we ourselves can be more patient. Now, in 2 Peter, uh, Peter is writing this letter to to really call on Christians to be stronger in their faith, to grow and mature and, and, and become stronger in their faith. And the reason that P Peter is writing this letter encouraging Christians to be stronger in their faith is because they are living in a day when there are a lot of false teachers easing into the church and actually making an impact in the church. And as they are teaching untruths, that's what a false teacher does, is teach untruths as they are moving into the church and they're teaching false truths that Peter would say you need to grow stronger in your faith that you could understand when false truths are being taught and you would know the truth of of God's word and the truth of Christ and who he is and and everything that you need to know about him and so he is writing this letter to believers to grow strong in their faith and one of the issues 
that is, is happening in their day, and he's specifically talking about this, this very issue, is this sort of denial of the day of judgment. And so he is writing sort of in regards to that, to the, to the day of judgment. And in our passage, uh, Peter is going to reveal something here to us that is, is really amazing. As, he, as he's writing, dealing with this issue of false teachers teaching wrong theology and wrong doctrine, he, he, he mentions something to us in God's word here that is really remarkable for us to understand and something that we certainly need to understand if we are ever going to be more patient in our own lives. And so let's look at this verse together, verse 9, that, that Peter is writing here. And he says this, the word of God says this in verse 9. It says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. He's specifically talking about salvation here. We're going to get into that in just a moment. But here's, here's just a thought that I had as I was, I was reading through this verse and many others. This thought that I had was this, is, is that if we are ever going to find ourselves being more patient in life, if patience is going to become a virtue that we embrace, then we must understand the patience of God. And one of the things that Peter has pointed out to us here is that Jesus is patient with you. He is patient with us. And so that's what I want us to kind of sink in and, and dive into here this morning as we look into this passage. Now, in our passage, Peter is going to reveal several things to us, and I want to I point these out as we go along here. But the first thing that I want to point out that Peter is implying by what he is saying in this one verse is this, is that the Lord's timing is perfect. The Lord's timing is perfect. God's timing is never early and it's never late. It's perfect. And, and I say that Peter's implying this because of what he says here as he's writing this letter. Now, remember, he's talking about people who are denying the judgment day. You know, will Christ come again? That sort of thing. And so as he's talking to them, he's, he's bringing up salvation, and he reveals to us that Jesus is patient with us concerning salvation. Now, many of us here today are already believers in Christ Jesus, and so that's not something that we may look at and say, well, this isn't real relevant to us. It may be to our friends who don't know Jesus or our family, but the reality is it teaches us something. It teaches us a truth that we need to be very aware of, especially if we're dealing with this, this, this thing in our life called impatience. And so if we are to be Christ-like, then we need to understand how God himself, how Christ our Lord is patient as well. And so the scripture teaches us here, it says to us very clearly that, that he is patient uh, toward us. Now, Peter starts off here by implying that the Lord's timing is perfect. He says this in verse 9. He says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. And that's very interesting to me. Because what he's saying is basically this. He is acknowledging that in his day, there are those in the church who would perceive that God is not acting fast enough. 
There are those in the church that are not believing that God is moving quickly enough. And what he says here is this. He says, the Lord is not slow to fulfilling his promise. The Lord's not slow. The Lord's not acting too slow because what we know is that the Lord's timing is perfect. He's not acting slow. You're just perceiving that he's moving too slow. And that points out to us how we as believers, even in our day, and I believe it's getting really bad as we live in this sort of fast-paced culture where we want everything now. We, we, we live in this world where we sort of lose patience with God because we too find ourselves perceiving that God's not acting fast enough. Let me just give you an example. Oftentimes our prayers are like this. Hey, God, I'm in this situation. I need this in my life. And, and, and you know, I just, I really need you to come through. I mean, it's just one of those things that, where I'm dealing with this. And so tomorrow comes and that issue has not been resolved. We're like, hey, God, I, I know you're busy up there. But, uh, you know, if you could really deal with this in my life, it, I would greatly appreciate it because I really need you to move in my life. And, and by the second day, we're like, God, what's wrong with you? I'm praying and you're not listening. Have you ever been there in your life before? Can I just be honest with you? I've been there in my life before. Where there's been times in my life where I begin to lose patience with God because you see, I'm perceiving how things should be played out. I'm perceiving how I think the end result should come about. And when I don't see God moving as quickly as I would like to see God moving, then I begin to think that maybe God's just moving a little too slow. That's what Peter was addressing as he's writing this letter. He says, some of you see, you need to be reminded that God's purpose is perfect. His plan is on time. He moves at the perfect pace. He's never early. He's never late as some of you think he may be in your life. And I don't know about you, but I find that challenging. Because if I'm going to be a patient person, then I need to trust on the reality that God's timing is perfect. And some things may just not always work out as quickly as I thought maybe they should because I know that his ways are greater than my ways. And so this is the point that Peter is making here as he's writing, dealing with this, this issue. Do you realize that there has never been an event in our history that ever has caused even as much as a wrinkle on God's plans. There's been no event in our history that ever catches God by surprise. The scriptures reveal to us that our God is sovereign. That God is in control of this, of this earth, of this universe. He is in control. He is God and we are not. And his ways are better than our ways. His ways are perfect, and the Lord's timing is perfect. In fact, Psalm 18.30 reveals this to us when it says, This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all of those who take refuge in him. And so here we see where Psalms reveals that God, his way is the perfect way. And if his way is the perfect way, then we should be content on waiting for his way. In fact, Psalms 27, 14 points that out to us. The psalmist says, in fact, twice, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. 
wait for the Lord. Why would we wait for the Lord? Because His ways are better than our ways. Because His timing is perfect. And though we may perceive that things may be needing to move more quickly than they are, there are times in our life where we simply must wait on the Lord. Amen? Sometimes we just have to wait. And it's never easy. It's never easy to wait on the Lord. You know, we, we find ourselves being so impatient so often, and I think our culture has a lot to do about that. The, the, the fact that we're living in such a, a fast-paced culture You would think that knowing God's timing is perfect would help us to be more patient. And yet we find ourselves over and over and over being impatient. I, I, was, I was reading some research and doing some research preparing for this message, and I came across a, a survey that I, I kind of thought was humorous because I kind of fit in all of these categories. I'll just be honest with you, okay? I've already admitted that I'm impatient, okay? But, but the reality is, I, th- I think it's, it's interesting as we look at this survey, and, and I wonder how many of you will fall in there because the, because the numbers are pretty high. Here, here's what the survey revealed to us, and, and I, I think this is interesting. Did you realize that 96%, that's nearly all of us in this room, 96% of Americans will eat food or drink a beverage that's too hot and they already know it? Here's an example of that. How many of us have ever took that pizza right out of the box? And we chomp on that first bite because it looks so yummy. Knowing that that thing is piping hot, only to have, as a result, the roof of your mouth fall off. Right? I mean, it just completely melts the roof of your mouth. It just comes apart. And for the next two weeks, you're in a time of recovery, aren't you? Because there's no skin up there. Everything, everything you eat from that point on is just too tender. How many of us have done that in our life? Amen? That shows our impact. See, 96% of you didn't raise your hand, but a lot of you did. The rest of you are just not ready to admit, right? We, we live in an impatient world. Here's another one for you. I love this. 72% of all Americans will push the elevator button even when it's lit. How many of you do that? 72% of you. 30% of you, you're just very self-controlled. Because I know you want to. You just don't, Okay. I, I, I do that. I walk up, you know, I, I love going to the hospital to see somebody and I punch the elevator and just wait. I just want somebody to walk up because I know they're going to push the button, even though it's already lit. But then what's so funny is when I walk up and they've already pushed it, I still, going up, me too. You know, <laughs> just in case it's not responding to you, I will help you out, right? I'll help you get to where you're going, Okay. I want to make sure that you get to where you're going. I'll do it too. It's the, it's the silliest thing in the world, and yet we do it. Here's another one. 71% of us speed to our destination when we drive. See, you don't admit that one so easily, do you? Because you know that policemen attend our church, right? But 51% of us, excuse me, 71% of us, 51% of us will hang up the phone in less than a minute if we've put it on hold. If we're put on hold in less than a minute, I'll just be honest with you. If we need technical support at our house, I have to let Linnell do it. 
Because I don't have the patience for three hours with technical support. I just don't have the patience. And I don't know how you men are in this room, but I am thankful that I have a wife that'll sit there patiently just talking to those people. And, and what's funny is, even though she's doing it, I'm in the next room pulling my hair out because she's doing it, you know? It's driving me nuts what she's having to go through just to get our internet back on, you know? But anyway, that's just how we are, isn't it? We're very impatient. I love what Maria Velter once said, she's senior vice president of Fifth Third Bank, in trying to help, trying to figure out how they could help their customers uh, better, to offer better customer service. She once said this, she said, patience may be a virtue, but it's no longer a reality. In our, ever in, uh, in our increasingly fast-paced society, every second counts. That's where, we have, that's where we have gotten to as humanity these days. We have lost the ability to be patient. We've lost it. And yet Scripture teaches us that it's one of the greatest characteristics of our Savior. And Scripture teaches us that we are to be Christ-like in who we are as disciples or followers of Christ Jesus. Therefore, Despite the reality that culture may say it's okay to be impatient, patience must be very beneficial to us as followers of Christ. Otherwise, why would Jesus be teaching us that it's something that we should be? And so I think recognizing that the Lord's timing is perfect is something that we all need to understand if we are ever going to be more patient. When I realized that God was calling me to plant a church, I got very excited. I was my, uh, my second year at Southeastern Seminary, and, and I had one year to go. And, and when I realized that what God was calling me to do, I think that's what every seminary student goes through is, what exactly do you want me to do, God? And that's where I was at. But when I came to the conclusion that God wanted me to plant a new church, to plant a new work, when I came to that conclusion, I was so excited. And man, I was ready. Linnell and I started talking. Here's what God, she affirmed that in my life. It was what we knew God was calling us to do. And yet the reality was that I would never plant the church for, until four years later. I was ready to go day two. But God's timing is perfect. And can I tell you, there was a lot of impatience there. There was a lot of doubting what God was up to. I mean, God, you called me to plant a church. Why aren't we going yet? But yet four years later, it would take four years before what God revealed to me as a reality of my calling would come to fruition. You see, God's timing is perfect. I would never want to, I would never want to do that which is out of his timing. We may be impatient in that, but we need to understand that his timing is perfect. So not only do we learn that, but we also, and this is where it gets really encouraging to us, because we're, we're pretty much every one of us in here already admitted through laughter or whatever else that we are impatient, right? We, we, can, we, can we admit to that? Most of us in here are impatient. So here's the good news. The Lord is patient with us. How many of you are thankful that Jesus is patient with you? Amen. So there's the good news, right? There's, the bad news is, okay, Lord, you've got us. We're all impatient. The good news is he's patient with us. And so we learn from that. We, 
we gain from that, we benefit from that, we are encouraged and comforted by that truth that Jesus is patient with us. Now, specifically here, what Peter is talking about in this passage is this truth, that the Lord is patient with those who don't yet know him. He's speaking directly about, about salvation. But we can learn from that that if God cares enough for the sinner in the, in the place of lostness, why he waits patiently for them to know him, then why wouldn't he be patient toward those who already know him, right? And so here we see this reality, this truth where, where Peter reveals to us, he says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but he is patient toward us, not wishing that any would, should perish. Now look at this, but that all should reach repentance. Here Peter is revealing to us that the Lord is patient with us. We know he's speaking of repentance here because further down in verse 15 of the same chapter, we read these words, and I love this. And remember, Peter says, and remember, the, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. I love that. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. So Peter says here, this isn't just me. This is what Paul has also preached to you, that the Lord is patient with those who don't know him. He is patient because his desire is that all would know him. And he is patient with them that they would be saved. You know, one of the things that just really encourages me about that is that it reveals how deeply God cares for us. That he would be patient with us. God is patient. I don't know about you, but I, I think, and I, I know I was having some conversation after the first service, but there's, there seems to be these times in my life where I just, you know, I, I, I just, I want to be as Christ-like as I can. And sometimes I get really upset with myself. Sometimes I get really, you know, I, I just, I want to be more like Christ. And I realize the sin in my life and I, I want to die to self and I want to I put on the new man and I want to live in the righteousness of Christ. But sometimes we, we're less patient with ourselves than maybe Christ is with us. As we are living out our life in a process of sanctification where Christ came and he died for us, that he would make us holy, that, that he is living in our life, he is working in our life in such a way that we would, we would become more Christ-like. And many times we lose patience with ourselves in trying to be like him. And so it's very comforting to know that the Lord is patient with us. Now here's what's really interesting to me. that the, the Bible, as we look at this whole idea of patience, reveals so much more than just what we've already talked about. One of those things is this, is that, and I, I love this, is that patience often comes in the face of suffering. Patience is often, it often comes in the face of suffering. In other words, we are put into a place in the midst of our suffering where we are almost forced to either be patient or to wallow in self-pity. And so in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our pain, we are given this, this opportunity to be patient. I love what James 5 says to us, reveals to us. It says this, for examples of patience and suffering. This is from the New Living Translation. I love this translation on this verse. 
For examples of patience in suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. But he starts off this text, this passage here, for examples of patience in the midst of suffering. And then he points to the story of Job. I love the story of Job. I I feel bad for what happened to Job, but I love the story of Job because it shows a man, and Scripture points out that this is a man who was patient in the midst of his suffering. And you know what's so important for us to understand about that? Is the reality that oftentimes when we lose patience with God, it's because we suffer. It's because we're hurting. And it's in those moments that we are weak. And it's in those moments that we so quickly want to turn to God and say, God, why are you doing this to me? God, why are you allowing this in my life? It's in our suffering that we turn to him so often in almost a spirit of anger, hoping that he would deliver us from our suffering. And yet we see a man named Job who was patient. How could a man like Job be patient in the midst of suffering? I'll tell you why. Because he, he understood fully the promises of God. You see, Job didn't have to know the outcome of his circumstances. He didn't have to know. He just knew that God was sovereign and that God has this and that God's in control. And it, it doesn't really matter what happens to Job in his mind. He's just going to wait patiently on the Lord. And if God wants to deliver him from his circumstances, then he will. If he doesn't, he doesn't. But with Job, it was all about just trusting God. And I love that. Because if we're going to ever be patient toward God we're going to ever be patient toward others we've got to trust God we've got to trust God here's another thing that we learn from scripture that oftentimes patience is the is the conduit or it's the piping from which the promises of God come through and I love that I never thought about that till I was studying for this message and and I came across several passages look at Hebrews 6 13 through 15 with me for just a moment this is really amazing I, I never really saw it this way till I studied for this message but but in Hebrews 6 we see this the writer says this for example there was God's promise to Abraham and since there was no one greater to swear by God took an oath in his own name saying Here's the promise he made to Abraham. He says, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. And then look at what it says in verse 15. Then Abraham waited patiently and then received what God had promised. Do you see how patience became the conduit for God's promise? You see, God promises Abraham. He says, I will bless you. I will make your descendants more numerous than you could ever imagine. And what is Abraham's response to that promise? Okay, Lord, I'll wait on you. I'll be patient with you. I'll trust in you. I'll believe in you. Because God, I know this about you, that you don't break your promises. Amen? We worship a God who, ne- who is always faithful. We worship a God who would never break 
his promises. And so for the promises of God that we have on our life, when we feel as though we don't have them, then we may need to exercise patience with God, knowing that they are promises yet to be delivered. And it may be that through your patience, God delivers the promise for you. What might some of those promises be? Real quickly, i got a few of them I want to give you. I wrote down about 100. We're not going to go over that many. We're almost out of time here. But I want to give you a few. What about God's promise of provision? You know, oftentimes we find ourselves in need, don't we? We find ourselves in need. And yet God's promise to us is this. God's promise to us is this. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. How many of you believe that God will provide your needs for you? Amen? About half of you. How many of you believe that God will provide your needs to you? I'm not saying the the red Ferrari. I'm saying he will provide your needs for you. That's what the promise of God's word says to us. And sometimes in the midst of us not having what we need, we turn to God and we very impatiently ask, God, I need. Instead of waiting patiently and allowing patience to become that conduit from which we receive God's promise. What about the promise of peace? How many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand on this, but how many of you have ever been anxious, fearful, lacking joy in your life? And what you desire more than anything else is peace. Well, you see, God's promise to us as followers in Christ Jesus is that we have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Amen? That's the promise. So here we see in Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus, the peace of God promised to us. So when there's a lack of peace, maybe patience is in order as we seek the Lord to give us peace in the midst of our anxiety. Here's one last one. I'll I'll talk about this. What about God's promise concerning your future? What about God's promise concerning your future? Here's what the Word of God teaches us. In Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans of welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. When it comes to our future, how many of us are willing to wait patiently until God reveals what is in His perfect timing? You see, we stand at a crossroads. We can be impatient with God or we can wait upon God. We can rest in God. We can rest in our Savior. We can choose to get angry with God when things don't go as quickly as we think they could. We could choose to get, you know, just discouraged over God not moving fast enough in our life. Or we can choose to remain patient resting in Him. What does it take for us to get to a place where where very simply God is enough? You see, I never really thought much about patience until I started studying this. And 
and realizing how important patience was in my life. And even though over the years, and I think just age kind of brings this on, I've become more patient. I've seen how God has worked out situations in my life that maybe you haven't just because you're younger than I am or whatever. But I feel as though I've become more patient as years go by. I've just never understood really the reason I needed to be patient. Until I begin to look and see how it directly impacts my walk with Christ. My calling. His plan. Life circumstances. The guy that won't get out of the left lane on the interstate. All of those things. You see, Christ wants me to be like him. And the word of God says that he is patient. For Abraham, these words are so challenging to me. For Abraham, he patiently waited. He patiently waited. And then, and then, he received God's promises. Patience may be more important in our life than we ever imagined. Colossians 1.11 says this, Paul says, he says, we also pray that you will be strengthened. He's speaking to the church. He's, he's writing to the church of the Colossians there. And he says, he says, this is what we're praying for you. We pray that you would be strengthened with all of his glorious power. So you will have all of the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy. If Paul saw it important enough that he would pray for a church, that they would be filled with the power of God, knowing that the power of God was needed to endure life circumstances and to be patient in this world then why wouldn't we pray for ourselves the same thing? Patience is important to who we are as children of God. Colossians 3.16 says this, Let the message about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with a thankful heart. In just a moment, we're going to sing some spiritual songs. We're going to lift up our voices in praise and adoration to a holy and righteous God. We're going to worship our Savior, his name that is a name above every other name. His name is Jesus. We're going to worship him.
We're going to praise Him. And I hope and pray that we find ourselves being thankful to Him for all that He has done in our life. And I pray that as a response to God's Word this morning, that we would find ourselves praying that we would become more patient, realizing that it has a greater impact on our life than we've ever thought before. And so in just a moment, our pastors will be down front. I'll be on the front row. If any of you need to speak with a pastor, we are here for you. We'll be here after the service in the connection room. If you would like for some of us to pray with you, we're here for you. As the band comes in just a moment and leads us in this last song, if you'd like to come to this altar and spend some time with God and just pray that the fullness of God would be poured out in your life, that you would have the power and the strength to endure and to be patient, then you come and you pray. Get out of that comfort zone that you sit in this morning. And you come to, your, to this altar and you You pray before your God, and you just ask God to bless you with whatever it's going to take that you may be more patient in life, that we would find the joy and the peace that God has in store for us. So I'm going to pray for us, and then you respond however God is leading. Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you, God, for the power of your word. God, how it transforms our lives as we dive into your word. And and Lord, I, I imagine that for many of us here today, we walked into this place and we probably never gave it a second thought of how, how a lack of patience in our life may affect who we are as believers or followers of Christ. And yet your word challenges us to be patient, not only with others, but even sometimes with you. And God, we acknowledge today that that patience is one of the hardest things to, to hold on to. We live in a world today that is is so fast-paced and everything around us and everyone around us is, is asking for everything right now. And Father, we fall into the trap of all of that and we find ourselves giving in to impatience ourselves and Lord, often see in our lives where that leads to us being frustrated with you. God, may it never be. Father, we love you and we praise you and we thank you that you are patient with us. Father, we are thankful that you are patient with us. So Lord, now as we prepare to close out this service, God, as some of us stand to our feet and sing as others come and pray, as others seek counsel from our pastors. Father, I pray that you would speak deeply into our hearts. Wherever we find ourselves, that you would speak deeply into our hearts. And as it relates to our lack of peace or maybe your purpose for our life or even a calling that you may have placed on our life, God, give us patience. 
that we could be more like you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.